You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the 100th episode of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. My name's Charlotte Greenway and it's Friday the 27th of October. A century of Saturday editions and in celebration there's plenty of interviews coming your way this week with regards to racing in Britain this weekend, whether you're a flat or national hunt fan. But to start with, we're starting in Australia. Now, if you're listening to this after 7.10am BST on Saturday morning, then you may wish to skip ahead to 9 minutes and 10 seconds. However, if you tuned in Friday night or early Saturday morning, the Cox Plate in Australia still won't have been run. And so I'll hand you over to J.A. McGrath to tell you a bit more about the race before he speaks to the jockey of a European raider with a leading chance. The Cox Plate is Australia's premier weight-for-age race. A mile and a quarter on a small track, nine furlongs around and tighter than Chester. It's a champion's race, though not always won by a champion, if you get my drift. First run in 1922, it's been won by practically every big-name horse to grace the turf in Australia. Some of the names, Farlap won it twice, Tullock, Gunsind, Dulcify... The magnificent Kingston Town won three Cox Plates, which we thought would never be repeated. Then along came Winks, who won four. In the context of British racing, status-wise, the Cox Plate is a cross between the Judmont International at York and Ascot's King George. This year's maximum, there's a maximum field of 12 runners, headed by the Hong Kong-trained champion Romantic Warrior, ridden by James MacDonald. Alligator Blood, winner of 15 races, Mr Brightside, the best miler in the country and winner of 10 million Aussie dollars in prize money. Zaki, another 10 million winner and also the Melbourne Cup winner, Gold Trip. And Aidan O'Brien has sent down Victoria Road, a Breeders' Cup juvenile winner trying to emulate uh, Aidan's Adelaide who won the Cox Plate nine years ago. But how are Aussies feeling about this year's Cox Plate? Who better to ask than Melbourne's current champion jockey, Blake Shin, who's been called up by Aidan to ride Victoria Road. Blake, on paper, it uh, does look a pretty classy lineup. but in your opinion, is it up to the standard of the, the really good Cox Plates we've seen? Look, the, the really good Cox Plates might come to my mind are like the, the octagonal, the northerlies, um, Sunlines, them. So, look, are, are, are there any of them in the field? Well, it's it's hard to say. You've got great horses like Alligator Alligator Blood in in the race. Um, is is he up to to like a Northerly and a Sunline? Well, you know, he's he's the last season. He's really built a great record. But uh, you know, is it a vintage Cox Plate? Possibly not, but um, you know you've got some great horses in the race. And we've got a favourite from overseas. We've got a, a Hong Kong trained favourite. You rode in Hong Kong for a long time, and you saw this horse actually develop and come into the championship status. 
does it surprise you that he's actually favourite for the race? Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, look, what he did in in Hong Kong when I was there was, um, you know, pretty pretty spectacular. Uh, his win when when James McDonald um, rode him, uh, I think it was in the QE QE two. Um, he, he put a margin on, you know, an international uh, field. Um, his sectionals on that day were were amazing. Um, it doesn't surprise me that he's favourite now. And is he a horse to fear, in your opinion? Um, not fear, no, but respect, yes. You're riding Victoria Road for Aidan O'Brien. You've never ridden for Aidan before, but obviously you know him very well by reputation. Now... Victoria Road, what do you know about him? Look, I just from from just reading his form, um, speaking to the lads, uh, TJ and, and Derek who rides him, um, you know, they're very happy with how he's acclimatised to Australia. He's settled in well. Uh, his form, you know, is there for everyone to see. He's a Breeders' Cup winner. Um, his last run was, uh, you know, a you know, a slashing third um, and hit the line well. He's had two runs back. He's peaking for this Cox Blade and he's on an upward spiral. And um, like I said, the reports from the lads that he's trained on nice, so he's he's hitting the Cox Blade in, in good form. Now, by European standards, the Valley is a very tight track. You've drawn six of 12. Are you happy with that draw? Uh, Yes, I am. It's better than 12 or 12. <laughs> um, so, mid-pack's okay. Um, Alligator Blood's five. Romantic Warriors, seven. You know, Mr. Brightside's two. Look, I'm in the vicinity of, you know, a lot of the good chances, so hopefully we can uh, execute the, the gates well and, uh, you know, get into a prominent position Jumping well is quite vital um, from that 2,000 metre start at Mooney Valley. And a very short run to the first yes. turn. So if you can begin well, it just gives you, you know, you know, a lot of options to, to, to work out where you would like to be. Remarkably, Gay Waterhouse has never won the Cox Plate, but this year she has a strong chance of adding this famous race to her extraordinary CV as she runs Alligator Blood, whom Jim and Blake both mentioned in that interview. And when Nick caught up with Gay Waterhouse during the week, he started by asking her just how she's still eking improvement out of this horse at the age of seven. I think the biggest thing is to be able to uh, observe the horse. Uh, and I think most people who watch trainers or handlers, it's your observation of the horse, seeing his mannerisms, seeing how can I improve on that. And I'm a great believer if the horse was uptight, which he was when he came to us, uh, if you can get them to chill out, that they can do whatever their ability can let them do, be it win their race or two or win group one race. And what is the most important factor in getting them to chill out? Is it the environment? Is it the rider? What would you do if you had a really uptight horse? Do you have a tried and tested formula for getting them to relax? Well, different things, you know. Uh, we use a lot of sand yards in Australia, you know, where horses go out and can stay out in the night time in a sand yard uh, or they could be in a, and all our, all our boxes are on straw, which means the horse rests better. Uh, we're very big on grain feed. We don't use any pellets. 
uh, and we, the biggest thing is to get the horse to eat. And if he's eating well, depending on the condition, which this horse is probably four times the size of the horse we got. Now, of course, he's an older horse, but he is a seriously big horse. Changing their training, doing something different, getting them to the beach, working around a, a sand uh, track or for pony, just until you can get and tap into their brain and say, this is what I want you to do, matey. You know, just put your head in and this is what, this is the way it's got to be. And, and it does work and it works well. And, and I could, if I were to try and list all your top level winners, all 165, 170 of them, I, I, I'd be here all day. I just can't quite believe there's there's not a cox plate in there already. It's so funny, you know, Nick. I've won seven golden slippers, seven metropolitans, a mile and a half, uh, you know, mile races, the Doncaster, the Epsom, and somehow this race is eluding me. And I've had all my best horses over the years, fight out the finish, but it just hasn't been, so hopefully Alligator might produce the goods. Now, this weekend in the UK, we have the final domestic Group 1 of the 2023 flat season at Doncaster, the Cameco Futurity Trophy for two-year-olds over a mile. It's a race that Aidan O'Brien has dominated over the years and won with some of his best performers, including August Rodin last year, Saxon Warrior, Camelot, St Nicholas Abbey, High Chaparral and the list goes on. This year, he runs two, Battlecry, who's a 100-to-1 outsider and is likely to be used as a pacemaker for the 2.4 million guinea purchase as a yearling, Diego Velasquez. He's unbeaten in two, including a group two on his last start, and the half-brother by Frankel to Broome and Point Lonsdale has looked raw so far, so you'd expect plenty of improvement is still to come. And with Ryan Moore banned this weekend, James Doyle comes in for the ride. Diego Velasquez isn't favourite though currently as Charlie Appleby's ancient wisdom occupies that position and on form you'd say he certainly deserves to. He was impressive in winning the Autumn Stakes two weeks ago and his actions suggest that the ground shouldn't be an issue for the son of Dubawi. The same could be said as well for Dancing Gemini who bolted up on soft ground at Doncaster last time for Roger Teal in The Flying Scotsman and here is Roger providing Nick with an update on how the horse has been since then. Yeah, he's in good order, Nick. Yeah, great. I'm very happy with him. And just tell me a little bit about his work programme since his last run at Doncaster and, and how you're prepping him for his biggest test today. Yeah, well, obviously, we we um, we had a little bit of time after his last run, so we just sort of gave him a little short, like eased off him a little bit, just downed his work level a little bit. Now we've brought him back up well, over the last few weeks, and um, yeah, everything's everything's gone to plan. Um, Lewis came down, rode him last week, and did a lovely piece of work. Lewis was thrilled with him, so yeah, no, all all good to be fair, Nick. So yeah, can be happy with him. Just look at this horse's pedigree by Camelot out of an Australia mare, having his, his fifth run as a two-year-old. He must have unusual um, street wisdom and precocity for a horse of that breeding. Yeah, I mean he's 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 um he's a typical Camelot. He's 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 quite a sharp character, you know. Um, but he does he takes everything uh, takes everything in his stride, and um, he's always had a pretty good mind on him, you know. Everyone tells me Camelot can be a bit hot, but he's he he he's pretty he's pretty level-headed. He, he loves his work. Um, so yeah, no, he's um, he's been a pleasure to deal with. To be fair. 
I, just looking at his his curve of improvement, he's he's moved forward with each run came out of that golden form race at Ascot behind Rosalian, and it's already thrown up at least two Group 1 winners behind him. Um, Newbury, very impressive last time, really quite spectacularly impressive. Is that just him learning on the job, or is that partly because of the soft ground? No, him learning on the job as well. I mean, he's 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 a horse that we've had to sort of bide our time with because of he he's been growing all year. Nick, you know, he's a typical two-year-old. His body's developing and um, going into Ascot. I mean, he ran at um, Salisbury. Uh, probably, you know, with a better start, he would have won at Salisbury. But he just, uh, you know, very green on the first run. Um, uh, but he came massively forward for that. Going into Ascot, he probably just had a little bit a growing spur on us he'd just gone a little bit bum high um going into ascot so but see after ascot he sort of leveled off and and um you know he, he basically strengthened up and uh going into newbury he did a superb piece of work which gave us confidence going into newbury and obviously he did the job that day and um um, and then, um, and then, 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 obviously, step up to, to to Doncaster, which, which was very, you know, was very, very pleasing to see that yeah, the way he quickened up and put the race to bed was very impressive. David Menrisier will be going for a second Group One in as many weekends following Sunway's victory in France last Sunday, as he sends Devil's Point to Doncaster and shared a few words on what he's expecting. Devil's Point is being confirmed for the futurity. The form of the Thomas Brion is really good because that's the form of Icantor, Havana Gray and Saganti yesterday. So the form is very, very, very good. Um, so I'm confirming the horse. I'm hoping for softish ground. And um, in my opinion, he'll, he'll run a blinder. A young trainer with his first runner in a Group 1 is Ben Brookhouse as he sends maiden red-hot whisper to the futurity. And here's Ben on what he's hoping to see from his cult by too darn hot tomorrow. Yeah, um, we've always known he wanted soft ground. Um, his work on soft ground has been a hell of a lot better than his work on good to firm ground. Um, and... Like I said, he's just—he is just progressing. Um, I was actually on the phone to, to Dad this morning, and I think, I think physically he's 20% better than he was when he went to Doncaster for the 50 grand maiden, and mentally I think he's 30% better. So, you know, I'm hoping to see a similar performance to what we saw in the maiden at Doncaster, but in a better company. I, I, I don't think he'll be too far behind. God's Windows, the horse who beat you in the maiden, and here you are up against one another again. How much confidence does it give you that the Gosdens have have gone here with with that horse as well? Does it make you think, well, I'm I must be getting something right here? Yeah, well, look, every everything is new to me. It's still, you know, I got my license middle of December last year. Um, I've never really dealt with a Group One horse before, of the when I worked at you know Jim Bolgers and Hugo Palmer's, but um, I wasn't involved with the entry stage and the planning stage. Um, and, you know, I could quite happily tell you about National Hunt horses, but when it comes to very good flat horses, I'm a little bit lost. But, you know, we just keep me here to the ground, keep a look on the computer and see what comes available. And the Futurity was the last sort of group race I could run him in towards the end of this season as a two-year-old. Um, and I'm glad I entered him in it, like I said, because once the entries closed, half the field was in the Futurity. Um, I know Jane ran her horse in... 
can't think of the name of the race at New, Newcastle, Newmarket, sorry. Um, and it finished behind Ghost Rider, the Royal Lodge, I think it is. Mm. Um, and that finished behind Ghost Rider. Um, and, you know, God's Window, the, the first thing they said after the race, and the r- rumours were before the race that God's Window is a very, very nice animal. Um, and there was no disgrace in being second to it by any means. Um, but I think, you know, if there was a horse in front of God's Window, there was a very good chance that Red Hot Whisper would have gone by God's window. I only think that. I can't 100% tell you that for sure. Um, but that's the kind of mentality the horse has. He said he's, he's still a bit of a baby. Um, but I think he's matured a lot for Doncaster. It was just the right run that he needed at just the right time of his career as a two-year-old. Uh, you've got a horse in the listed race as well at, um, at Doncaster, Global Skies, who's been who's been doing really well, really nice two-year-old. And you look at the pedigree of this horse and you think, well... Surely we're just scratching the surface, aren't we? By Mondial least out of a Sea of the Stars mare. Yeah, we 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 try and source some nice jumpers from the breeze up sales, um, because if you try and buy a good-looking horse anywhere, it's going to cost money. But at the breeze up sales, if it's a good look, if it doesn't matter how good looking it is, if it's slow, there's a, there's a bit of a lack of interest in it. Um, and we bought Sarsen's Risk and Gozo from the Craven before. Um, you know, when I was at Ian Williams, we also saw Dancing in Paris from there as well same sale as Gozo and he was one of the three that I had marked down um, to go jumping (laughs) and you know we started him off over seven because his work had been pretty good with Red Hot Whisper but he'd shown a bit more speed um, but he'd also shown that his head is a little bit fragile Um, he was too keen at Yarmouth so he stepped him back to six on testing ground which Mondialese on on all forms shown seemed to love and he, he won at Haydock and got the bonus. He had a nice race course gallop at Nottingham, shall we say. Um, we, he wasn't 100% tuned going there, but we, we've turned the screw back on with him um, and tried to prime him as ready as we can for the six furlong listed race, hopefully, that's on, on bottomless ground at Doncaster. Uh, you r- run a horse in a in a bumper at Cheltenham tomorrow called Martin Plage, or Martin Plage, I suppose. Uh, a horse that cost a lot of money at the Aintree sale. Well, I say a lot of money. I, I guess by today's boutique sale standards, 110000 is kind of an average price. But anyway, it's a lot of money to most people. And uh, he's a horse with a, with a nice pedigree, with a, a, a decent point-to-point run behind him. Um, how good is he? Um, we think he's very, very nice. Um, he definitely would enjoy soft ground. He's definitely got an engine. Um, mentally, he's a very nice person to deal with, and he's a very nice horse to ride. He can get a little bit of ahead of himself at times, but that is what can happen training jumpers out of Newmarket. Um, he had a small setback a couple of weeks ago, but he's as fit as a flea. You know, he'd been working with Bretchen Castle. Bretchen had been working all over him, um, but he, it's a four-year-old matching strides with a five-year-old that obviously has a lot of class. We think he's quite nice. Um, he has the mentality for a Cheltenham bumper, but it's only his first, you know, dipping his toe in the water, for, for, for se. So it, whatever he does, I'd like to think he'll build on. The one thing he won't build on is fitness, because he is as fit as a flea. So we're hoping that he, he's, he's bang there. You know, I, I discussed this with Jack Quinlan yesterday. Um, he's actually in the outdoor school at the minute doing flat work, Martin. But um, he should be on the bridle at the bottom of the hill. From, from there, the rest is up to him and Jack. 
Well, an almost seamless transition into the National Hunt scene and to Cheltenham, where tomorrow Ollie Murphy runs Butch in the three-mile novice hurdle at 3.35. Butch ran out a 14-length winner of a novice hurdle at Southall at the beginning of the month. And here's what Ollie had to say when Nick asked whether that performance was an accurate reflection of his ability. He's a horse I've always liked. Um, had a very stop-start campaign with him last year. Had health issues um, early on in the season. Um, was a good performance at Southall. First run over 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 three miles. Um, big staying pedigree. Will go chasing in time. But uh, he's got a bit of experience. And yeah, looking looking forward to running him. I just hope we we have plenty of ease in the ground. He wouldn't want it too quick now if it was to have a have a dry couple of days. One of, if not the, most anticipated National Hunt horses returning to action this weekend is none other than the 2023 Aintree Grand National winner, Corrick Rambler. He did have an entry at Cheltenham, but Connections have opted to go to Kelso tomorrow instead for the Edinburgh Gin Handicap Chase, where he'll face five rivals, and his trainer Lucinda Russell explained why they've opted for this over a trip to the home of jump racing. It's funny with these with these good horses, uh, your options of where to run them are few and far between. And and you know that last season we only ran him four times really to to come uh, with the Grand National. So we have to be quite careful about where we go. And we had to run him at this weekend. It, it tied in with thinking about going to Haydock next. Um, so yeah, it was either here or Cheltenham. I thought Kelso uh, seemed an easier race. He's not giving away so much weight. Um, so that's why we've picked, picked Kelso, and also I like the track, and I, I think that the uh, they present the fences really well. I loved last season the way you kind of worked your way through the campaign with him, and you know it wasn't all about having every screw turned right from the outset. Is it going to be similar this time, or do you expect him to to go there and and put up a bold show at the weekend? Yeah, you're right. You know, and I, and we always say it's interesting because we've just had the same thing with Apple away, so we always say that you. Look, it's really about the, the the main season targets at the end of the season. So um, rather than having to to wind them up and wind them up first time, it's it's about making a plan. We're, we're very lucky. We've got a brilliant brilliant team behind us, as everyone says, and in particular, we've got a very good race planner. And uh, through him, we can sort of make an make a sort of plan about where we're going to go. And I think some of these good horses they don't need raced all all the time. We know we can get them fit at home. And you're right. It's just a matter. This is the first time out. I don't know how my nerves are going to feel. You know from an emotional point of view, it's going to be very, very hard because I adore this horse. And, you know, we lost a horse the other last week and, and it really hit everyone so hard. And, I, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the idea of having to race this horse ever again, the idea of having to race any horse is, you know, it, it worries you because you just don't want them to get hurt. But equally, I don't want to turn him out in the field. He might get hurt out there as well. So um, I'm off on a bit of a tangent now, but but basically we, we've, we've got to make a plan for the horse. We've got to let him get better as we go. And uh, that's that's the idea behind it. You know you've got to say, stay strong, uh, Lucinda, because Skew is going to be a complete wreck. So one of you is going to have to, um, you know, kind of keep the stiff upper lip. Yeah, I know. Skew's just come into the room just now. So uh, he is, um, he's already getting, I don't know, I don't know whether we should take some sort of medication. I'm worse than that. I'm going to be down at Cheltenham, so he's going to have to look after Corak on his own. But uh, you'll be all right, Scoop. Yeah, he... okay. it makes you think about it every day. What um, about it? And you know, you think to yourself, "What is it? 
one of his 30 said there's no secret so close as between the horse and rider and Corrick tells me he loves what he's doing I mean after that I, you know he, he, he's delighted to be out exercising uh, whether he loves you know he loves racing he loves it um Kesara, Kesara, after that, you know. Uh, do your job. Who was with uh, Michael Scudamore last year, Lucinda? Now up in in your stable in the old Roan, he might just be quite well handicapped. Are you gonna you gonna go for that with him? Yes, I think so. Um, he uh, although he's with Michael this year, he's uh, Gabby, his girlfriend, rode him all the time, and she's come up with us so up to us. So so really, it's. Uh, he's had a different different gallops, but uh, the same handlers around him. He's a funny horse. He's he's quite a. Um, I was just saying to Gabby this morning, he's quite an anxious horse and he he can get worried about things in his stable and stuff. And it's a good thing that she's always with him because he needs her security. Um, I think the the two-mile four-round entry, I think it's going to be lovely for him. I think he's a, he is one of our best horses that we have in the yard and I think he deserves to, to take his chance in this race. In opposition to do your job at entry in Sunday's Old Roan Chase will be the veteran Al Dancer in the colours of Di Walters, who won on his seasonal reappearance at Chepstow. And here's his trainer, Sam Thomas, discussing his chance this morning. Uh, well, look, I think uh, we've just got to take our chance. He's, he's 10. He's, he's not getting any younger. He's in, he's in his uh, form, form of his life again. Nick is up to his career high, high best mark. So... I just thought we need we need to sort of you know strike while the iron's hot. Effectively, we were sort of going to Chepstow for a prep run for the uh, Sefton, um, and uh, obviously we'll never begrudge a winner. But there's certainly a lot of improvements to be had out of him fitness-wise for that. So uh, that sort of went out the window. I think, uh, like I say, while he is in the form of his life, uh, it'd be silly not to go and uh, have a go to uh, you know have a go at a top race. And that brings episode 100 to a close. Thank you very much once again for listening. Have a great weekend and Nick will be back as usual on Monday morning. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.